God, I just want to thank you for everybody in this room tonight. Um, God, I just want to thank you that we're all here tonight uh, together. Um, I want to thank you that Jonathan's teaching as well. Lord, I just ask you to um, just flow through him in um, just an amazing way tonight, Lord. Uh, please help us to all be receptive tonight, Lord. Open our hearts, open our minds, um, so that we will be able to understand what you are teaching through him. Um, thank you again, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Alright, we'll see how this goes. Um, as a precursor, Luke chapter 15, all those verses are the prodigal son parable. I split it up into three parts because I didn't want to listen to one voice read all of that for like five minutes, okay? So, before we read that, we're going to get three people to volunteer, and then it's going to be like popcorn where you just start reading right after the next person finishes. Can I get the first one? Like I'll get the second one. Like a true teacher. Okay. I'll do the third. Alright. I'll take the first part of the... Wait. What? <laughs> no, the first what? part of the prodigal son. No, sorry, sorry. That, no. All of that happens? Wait, no, I thought you guys were talking about the yeah, other ones. Like John 14, no. 6, 1 Peter 3, 18, and then Isaiah 1. No. If you were no. listening, you yeah. They were talking about the prodigal no, son. Oh, okay. So it's Matt, Wayne, and the first one. I just don't Matt, Emily. Are you talking about I'm Luke, right? Yeah. I'm talking about Luke 15, 11 through 20, 21 through 27, 28 through 32. Okay. So I don't care who reads what, just figure it out so it sounds nice. Okay, Mom. <laughs> All right. Are we set? Yes. Now, who has John 14, 6? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father. But by me. Can you read it normal? <laughs> you, got, you got angry at that one night because he did something like that, and then you <laughs> turn around and do the same exact I just, it's, it's the stupid, the verse of the day thing always resets my version to King James. Same. Oh, because you, so you like, get it off Yeah, I can show you. All right. Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. All right. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's straightforward, right? We're all okay with that. Awesome. First Peter 3.18. Got it. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And so that just sort of like goes into depth how Christ is the way, the truth, and the last one. What was it, Luke? Stop growing turtles. I'm not. I'm trying to take notes. Turtles. So much sound. I'm trying to be a good student. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. So that one explains like how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life for us. He's died on the cross to be that way, that truth, and that life. Alright. Isaiah 118. Got it. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. And to go one step further, Jesus isn't only taking us the way, the truth, and the love. He's also taking away our sin. So he's leading us in this right path, down this right path. But he's also saying, don't worry about these past burdens that you had. Lay those down on the side of the road and just come with me. Forget about those past troubles you had and just be renewed. All right, John 14, 12. I have it. Uh, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do whatever I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Yeah, I feel like we use this verse a lot, but I think it's one that is worth coming back to a lot. Jesus is telling us to put our baggage down on the side of this trail and to just go with him. And going with him allows us to do these things that are greater than he was do these miracles that more more miracles than he did and heal more people than he did as well so let's get into the prodigal son now jesus continued there was a man who had two sons the young one said to his father father give me my share of the estate so he divided his property between them not long after that the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living after he had spent everything there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the, his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to kiss he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe, uh, bring the finest robe in the house, and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet, and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast, for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, and now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house, and, and he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, at all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. I really like the prodigal son. I think a lot of the focus gets put on the younger son, because it's sort of like the sad story. I think of like the... March Madness, when the 16 seed, when the 16 seed beats the one seed, it's like this huge victory, you know, sports reference. We have a cross country runner. I know he understands. <laughs> That's why. But it's sort of like you're given this opportunity to take what is rightfully yours right there, but you have to be willing to do that yourself. It doesn't matter that the older son has stayed there loyally year after year after year, when all he's working for is to appease his father and to look good in his eyes. And he's not really there working to do the work because that's what he's called to do. And then beyond that, he gets mad when his father sees his younger brother come back and he's like, oh my gosh, he came back. Go kill that fat goat or whatever he killed, you know? It was a cow. Same difference. They're all farm animals. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The fat calf. Okay. But it's that same sort of principle that Jesus has given us this option of going to walk with him down that path that he shows us, he leads us down to do these greater faiths, to do these greater miracles and these greater things than he did. But if we're just standing here next to Jesus the whole time, just doing things to do them so we can get into heaven or so we can be a good Christian or just be a nice guy, what's it matter? When do we put down this persona and actually go with him and say, I want to do these things. I want to take advantage of the opportunity you're giving to me. Because when we see somebody that's way back on the path walk up and just walk with them freely and say, yes, Jesus, I went the wrong way, but I'm here now and I want to go back with you, what's the point? Like That just... It hurts our self-esteem, but they have nothing to do with us. It's In the end, it's all on us to decide to throw our pencil down and say, I'm done writing with that. That doesn't work anymore. Jesus works. And then we write with Jesus, and it works. In the sunset. <laughs> 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 8. I got it. And the Lord sent Nathan unto David. He came unto him and said, Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. It, it went back to Nathan. What version is that? So the Lord sent Nathan to the prophet, Nathan the prophet, to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain town. One was rich, one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate, drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day, a guest arrived in the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. And David was furious. As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. 
he must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he sold for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. The Lord, the God of Israel, says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives in the kingdom of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you more. I feel like that really puts into perspective what Jesus has done for us. He's given us all these things. He's given us opportunities, places to take advantage of, and we sit there and we sort of like simmer, like a pot on the stove. When we're just simmering, we're like, we could be more, but we're not. We don't take advantage of these things. And then he goes further to say, if that wasn't enough, I would have given you more. If what he had given us already wasn't enough, he would have given us more. First Peter 5-8. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. When we just sort of sit on our path and we don't move, we become abstinent in what we're doing. We don't make any move. Rather than moving forward or moving back, we say, it's great being a nice guy sitting at this campfire roasting marshmallows. Why move on when it's comfy here? And that's when the bear could come out of the woods and eat us, right? When we don't move, when we're not like, when we're just sitting ducks, it's like, I don't know. Second Peter 3, 9. I got it. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I think this is also a very, like, redeeming verse. God's always there for us. He's not giving us this time limit. He doesn't have his timer that's about to play the iPhone marimba music. He's just there. He's always there with open arms. Jesus is never going to say you waited too long to walk with me down the path. It's never too late to do greater works than he did. You just have to be willing to repent and throw your stuff down on the side of the path and go. There's nothing more than that. You just got to do it. Are we on Acts now? Yes, Acts yeah. 4, 12? I am. Okay. You, no, you can. No, you haven't. Okay. Fight. Single combat. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So the no one else that it's talking about is referring to Jesus. Um, there's no way out besides with Jesus. I don't know how to say it any clearer than that. Like, it seems pretty straightforward. Is anybody confused about that? Are we good? Can we? <laughs> Do I need to unpack this and really dig deep in? Look at it in the Greek. <laughs> Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no one, no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So it's really like just follow Jesus, right? Pretty. It's a nice path. It's a nice path. Acts twenty two sixteen. I got it. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away. And so this passage is a smaller, it's like a little snippet of the passage where Saul becomes Paul and all that jazz. And so there's this guy, what? Saul doesn't like change his name and become Paul. Saul is the name to the Jewish people and Paul is the name to the Gentiles. It's literally like the difference between like Mexico, I mean Kaz, and then here, I'm just Luke. <laughs> so like it's just, it's, it's the same name. Okay, but I was more referencing like the paradigm shift that he had. This one, I just where, like, like Saul like, becomes Paul. Yeah. Like I understood that it's not like a different name. Okay, are we good? Are so we chiming? Fun facts with Luke. Fun facts with Luke. Okay. Never mind. I won't chime in. What? I, I think I think sometimes we kind of put Paul up on a pedestal, like we just imagine like the transformation that he has is so much greater than ours because of the name change. 
And we're like, oh man, he just had this like wild, like Saul of Paul moment. Like we say like the Saul of Paul Christians, uh, we use that one verse, uh, they love much because she's been forgiven much. When Jesus is talking about the, the slut who poured the perfume on his feet. Uh, and so like, we just like, we, we imagine his redemption is so much greater than ours. And like, that's why Paul is such a powerful Christian is because he's a murderer. And like, he changed his name and like, he's blind and like all this stuff. And like we just like push that so much, I think in a way it's almost um, dangerous to to think that like Paul does any more or less empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think it's where it becomes an idol almost. Yeah. We sort of idolize Paul and like what he's become through his redemption, and we don't realize that that redemption's available to all of us, and we're all given that chance to have those kind of transformations. I think, uh, like, knowing that Paul the Saul, Saul Paul, like, I think knowing the difference between them is not just a name change, but specifically is a cultural name change is important because, like, that's the big importance of, like, his changes becoming, being the Jew's Jew and, like, being, becoming a Greek and becoming something that he, like, would have put himself above. It's not like, oh, look at this. He's he's changed so much that God had to give him a new name. But the like type of change he underwent was one where he took himself and he put himself in a new culture that he was not comfortable with and got rid of his old identity where he had found his pride. Uh, there's like uh, kind of a little verse in Romans that talks about God like writing in. Sorry, not in Romans in Revelation. I don't know how I got those two mixed up. Uh, in Revelation about how when Christ comes to like uh, write a new name on a white stone tablet that only you can read. And so I think like sometimes we just like uh, confuse the personal nature of our redemption with God with like this like major outward, like I have to change everything I am and everything about me. So this was when Saul had been told to just go get baptized, basically. And so he's really like, so Jesus had made him blind, told him to go into Damascus. And he goes into Damascus, and then there's whatever the word is called. You know, he gets like the visions. And they're like, go talk to Paul, or go talk to Saul at this point. And so he goes and talks to Saul, and he tells Saul to be baptized. And then he gets baptized, his eyes peel off, whatever he sees again, all is good in the world, right? Um, and so it's really, I think it's applicable to everybody. You know, just go get, like, go do it. Why wait? There's no reason to wait around. Why not now? God's there, Jesus is there, God's always waiting, he's patient, there's no timer. Jesus always wants, he's always there to take you down the path. He's not going to leave you. He's always with you. So let's go ahead and go to Galatians. Hi, guys. Before this faith came, we were confined to the law, imprisoned until the coming faith was revealed. The law then was our guardian until Christ, so that we could be justified by faith. But since that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Through faith, we will also be God in Christ Jesus. For those of you who are baptized into Christ, I think this sort of goes into what that baptism really does. It unites all of us into this group of Christians that we're all following Jesus down this path. We're all in this together, that kind of thing, like high school musical. We're all in this together. Blah, 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 you know, like basketball, Disney. Anybody? Yeah. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, like, I think that fourth one. Don't no. worry, you're making it relatable. First <laughs> <laughs> Corinthians twelve, twelve through eighteen. Okay, look ahead, guys. Yeah. I got it. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. For we all, yeah, so for, yeah, I can't read. 
For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form to one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. Did we not just read that? They're very similar. Uh, slave or free, and we were all given the, the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted it to be. So really those verses would have done better read like consecutively. Uh, but we're all being unified into this body of Christ where we all have our different roles and responsibilities. And that doesn't make one of us have more of a redemption than another. We've all been redeemed through Christ's death on the cross. But then when we follow Jesus down that path and throw away our old burdens, we're embracing our part in the body and we're doing our job. Uh, if you go hiking, like the El Camino that they do through the EIP office. They take like a foot doctor guy there because you're hiking 10 plus miles a day or something. And so like that doctor, not doctor, but like professor does his job and like tells you, you know, you gotta take the load off your ankle tonight. You're swollen pretty bad. And they pop blisters. They're all there helping each other. If that professor doesn't go and there's somebody with a sprained ankle hiking miles on miles on miles, they're gonna start slowing down, but then the group slows down, and it all affects one another. It's like when you trip and you like sprain your own ankle, and then you start limping on that leg, and it just slowly creaks up your body and affects your body. It'll start hurting your back. I'm sure Nathan could probably tell you something about this. I feel bad for continually picking on you. I don't mean you to, but beyond Nathan, my sweet mate is a cross country runner. And I knew that he twisted his ankle while running, and it affected his back, and he couldn't run as far because his back was hurting just because he hurt his foot. And so those things, they add up, and when one part of the body doesn't do what they're supposed to do, the other parts have to start compensating for that, and it really just sort of slows down what we're all doing together, which was the John fourteen twelve doing works greater than Jesus did himself. So, First John 1, 9. Gotcha. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. And so, when we stumble and when we start having to compensate for these things, we have the ability to go back and say, God, I messed up. God, I need your forgiveness. Jesus, I'm going to put this burden back down on the path since I picked it back up on our way here. And I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to strive to be something greater. I'm going to strive to be more than just a nice guy. I'm going to be that next level Christian. You know, I'm going to go from a level five Christian to a level six. Really going. Uh, Luke 13, one through five. I got it. About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all other people from Galilee? Jesus asked. Is that why they suffered? Not at all. And you will perish too, unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. And what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Were they worse sinners in Jerusalem? No. And I tell you again that unless you repent, you will perish too. <coughs> I think this just sort of hammers in the nail sins. I mean, we're all here for each other. We're all a part of this body of Christ. I think the verse about laying our burdens down on one another so we can all like help with them is really overlooked sometimes, especially with guys. There's this stereotype that guys have to be upheld to a certain standard that I can't go to a movie and cry because I think it's sad because I'm a guy. And I think <laughs> there's also that standard with women too. I mean, women go to a movie and cry and there are women. There are women. <laughs> there are women. <laughs> you know, like, there's these standards we put on each other that really limit our capabilities as these pieces of a body in Christ that prevent this, and we can just share our burdens, talk to each other about what's going on. Hey, Lucas, I've been struggling with porn. Hey, Matt, I've really been struggling with jealousy. Nathan, I've been struggling 
with something. You know, whatever. It doesn't matter. Luke. It's Galatians 6 2. Bear one another's burdens and in doing so fulfill the law of Christ. Also, if you uh, start to be like a punk about that, like if you're like actively starting to like share, and then you're like, oh, sorry, I shouldn't share. Normally, Luke will respond to you, and sometimes if I'm in a mood, I will respond to you. But, oh, right. Carrying on another's burdens and in doing so fulfill the. Is it suggestion of Christ? Oh no, it's law. Um, so that's just a heads up here, fam. I I think something key, because like we've read a lot of verses about like repentance and stuff tonight, and I think it's key to like note that it's not just admitting something of like oh I did this or I'm struggling with this or whatnot but like repentance is a change of your mindset so it's not just like because like that's what will break the cycle it's not just like I feel bad that I did this or like this is a thing like obviously like we need to do that but like just like saying that like you need to like change your mindset like about that well it's like the five-year-old that goes to timeout just because they go to timeout and say they did something wrong doesn't mean that when yeah. they get back up from timeout they won't go jump on the couch again. Right. That doesn't stop anything admitting. I mean, Cause I'm sure admitting like, is like the first step or whatever. Right. But like it's a good step. Like it's yeah, necessary. It's but like. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like a lot of the times, like especially like the church is obsessed with like altar calls. It's like oh come up here and like repent of your sins and all of this. But like you like go up there. and ball your eyes out and then you go back and do whatever you did because there's no like actual like change in mindset and like we don't like teach that and like actually like focus on that change I feel like that's where being in community can help because mm-hmm. if we're you know keep, I don't know keeping up with each other yeah. like, hey I know you talked about this in church the day how's that go right yeah how's absolutely that, how's that been maintained not in like a like condemning way, but like a, oh, yeah. you said you wanted this, so how can I help you get that? Right. It's like, what, what more have you learned about that? Yeah. Because you know, like, uh, going back to jumping on the couch, I used to do that. Like, I used to just like jump on any of every furniture. Like, it's hard to imagine me doing that, right? Um, <laughs> but like, my mom sat me down and she's like, we are wearing through couches like one a year. And you need to stop jumping on the couches so we, so we don't have to keep on buying them. And then I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> no, I, I was like, I was wearing down couches. Because uh, I would like, I would like jump on the back and like push them over and like roll around. It was, I, I, I was hyperactive. I don't know. It's fine. It's so recent that you've been Not because like they could or they wanted to or whatever, but because I was wearing down the old ones so quickly. I was like, wow, now that I know more about this, I'm probably, I don't want to do it as bad. We knew the heart of the commandment. Yeah. Yeah, the heart behind you, not just say, don't do it's like, what is the heart behind whatever? You know, because uh, Paul talks about, it's like, don't you know, it's important what you do with your body. And he talks about that, like, in specific context of talking about sexual sin and sexual immorality. It's like, when you, when you sin with any other kind of sin, like you're sinning against part of yourself, but when you use sexual immorality, you're sinning against your own body. And, like, that's damaging to your own body. And so, like, he's like, this is the heart behind this. It's not just a rule. There is, like, there's a reason. First Corinthians something something. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I think it's really like written there for us. God's there for us. He's given us this way out. Sure, we fall down, but he's always there to help us back up. 
sometimes we crash and burn, but he's got the fire extinguisher ready to extinguish our demise and make it better. Romans 5 8. For God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For me, that's like how God has given us our way out. Christ died for us. Thor. Oh, but still. I thought you were saying Thor. I thought you were saying Thor. Where? What? Christ died for us and it gave us this path out of that darkness. It gave us this chance to be redeemed, to learn what we're doing wrong, to be able to correct ourselves and then change our paradigm so we're not saying, so we're not objectifying women anymore, so we're not hurting each other anymore, so we can work as one body and as one like mind. And then Isaiah. 53, 3-6. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid upon him the sins of us all. God sent down his son to die for us. I mean, that's basically John 3.16, so I can go ahead and say that for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son to die for our sins. Paraphrase might not be accurate, but we've all heard it in church a thousand times. He sent down his son. He said, I want to give them this chance to have free will, to love me, not to be forced to do something like that. He gave us this redeeming path to do works greater than Jesus did himself, and all we have to do is decide to put our crap down and follow it. Hebrews 10, 26, I think. I got it. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. So why not now? That's a heavy verse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dear friends, if we deliberately continue sinning after we have received knowledge of the truth, there is no longer any sacrifice that will cover these sins. Dear friends. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, 1027 says there is only the terrible expectation of God's judgment and the raging fire that will consume his enemies. (laughs) (laughs) Why not now? Why do we carry around this baggage and wait for the right moment? You know, like, it's those people that say, I'm going to wait to lose weight till my New Year's resolution. Why not now? Like, what's preventing you from going to the gym and eating healthier? You just want to go to the gym when everybody else is there? That's awful. No. It's so crowded. It's awful. It's dirty. Half those people probably don't clean the equipment. Excuse me. I work in there, and we do clean it. No. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We don't. But, you know what I'm saying? So why not now? Why do we have to carry around this baggage? that we've been told we get to put down, we get to follow this path, the way, the truth, the life. We get to be doing things that are greater and bigger than Jesus did himself, but we choose to carry around our baggage and say, not now, I'm gonna do that when I'm ready. Even though we know God's always there for us, there's no timer. I would actually like to unironically unpack 1026 a little bit. Okay. Uh, If we deliberately continue sending after receiving knowledge of the truth. What's the truth? What is what are we talking about? For me the truth is like knowing that we're sinning. Knowing that what we're doing is wrong, understanding that what we're doing is wrong. I don't like that. Somebody give me another answer. Did you say you don't like that? I don't like that. Really? Um, the 
I hit you with two turtle night comics. 
Bring it back. Give it the best. <laughs> yes, John. Boom. I'm good. I don't have anything else to say besides why not now. It's okay, I have a question, I have a follow-up question. See, Sean raised his hand. It's, oof. wait, no, what I said was like, relevant to the topic that we were just discussing. Um, we should probably go. Okay, yeah, so, um, wait, what? Don't even think about it, just get it okay. out. No, so, don't, don't worry about words. Words. What, what, what was the... No, sin. Sin. Yes. So, um... <clears throat> the, the way I interpret slash register slash use, I mean, I don't know who's for, but the, the quote that we're all sinners, it doesn't, for, for me, I don't see it as coming from a place of condemnation. I think it's, um, I, I mean, people use different things in different ways, but the how I feel about it is that it's, it's to, um, I guess, kind of remove condemnation because it's to, the point of it is to bring us all to a level of equality, that we all commit acts that are considered to be sins. We all do things that, that we know are wrong, and we can't use that against someone else since we ourselves do. I think, um, like, speaking of that, like, that's the good part behind it most of the time, but I think it, um, when we put it in present tense and we turn it from we have all sinned into we are all sinners, it instead of saying like yes we all have these actions when they do not define us and that like can be a thing of the past and it doesn't like it doesn't have to be who we are now and what our future is when we say we are sinners it makes it something that we're declaring over ourselves currently and it turns it into a statement of who we are as people instead of things that we've done gives that sense power. So it's not like, sometimes the heart behind it is exactly where it should be of like, you to know that I'm not condemning you because I've been, I've done the same thing. But when it comes out, it can be taken and sometimes it is meant poorly too or our hearts are just twisted. But it can be taken a lot as like, oh, so you view yourself as this and me as this. Well, see that really hits on what my question is going to be, which is, if not condemnation, then what's the word for being motivated Conviction. switching things from letting that label control you and who you are as a person and a being to saying that you have been somebody that has done something. Everything, everything that the light touches becomes light. And so part of the reason uh, like we are convicted about sin is because our sin... Uh, literally, like the thing that should keep us away from God, then is used by God to become a testament for God's grace. Uh, everything that the light touches becomes light, and so like our sin too, stripping of it is power too. It's like it's like literally like putting our sin on a pedestal, saying this is what I did, but God loves me and uses me. Uh, Romans five out five eight. Well, we were still sinners. 
And so, like, I look at that and I'm like, okay, cool. Well, we were yet sinners. He loved us and he died for us. But, like, what does that even mean? Like, what are we now then? It's like where my head goes. And so I answer questions with the Bible, as I tend to do. Ephesians 1 5. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. That was a real fast, fluid movement. I like that. So, what are we now? We are sons and daughters of the Lord Most High, adopted through the blood of Jesus and cleansed by his sacrifice.
I can edit out anything that you don't want to be said in the recording. So, what if, what if they're under police officers? That's me. We haven't done anything. It's Julia. Okay, can we make it like a blanket rule if somebody admits to something illegal, we like take that off the recording? Yes. Yes. Oh, you're saying? We also know we also know recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What did you say? <laughs> what did you say? What did you say? 